I've been teaching on Wednesday nights, and we just finished just Jesus stories. And that's what I like to do more than anything else, is just talk about Jesus stories. And they got a little preview of what we're going to do this morning. We're going to start by going to, uh, we're going to start our look at Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is where we are. But we're going to start our look at Hebrews by going to Luke. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, and I wish we had time to talk about what he just said. He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking about Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they... They became fully awake. They saw his glory. And the two men standing with him, as the, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. I want to talk about this whole passage. Here you have Jesus going up to pray. It was customary for him to pray. As he's praying, something changes. We're going to talk about the something changes here in a bit. A cloud descends. Moses and Elijah show up. The sleepy disciples who often got sleepy during prayer. So you're not alone. You're all right. They woke up and saw Moses and Elijah. Now you might wonder, how did they know they were Moses and Elijah? Because Moses and Elijah died long before. Not really sure, but the scripture does tell us as through Paul that in heaven we shall know even as we are known. So as Marshall Keeble put it, he, we don't expect to be any more stupid up there. So we do expect to recognize people we've never met. And Moses and Elijah are there. Now I have Facebook because I'm of a certain age and it's required when you have grandchildren. And I watch people so excited when a Batman versus Superman comes on. Or the new one with Iron Man and Captain America. And oh, they, they're, they're wearing the t-shirts. And they've got, we've got the tickets and we're going to this show and they're very, very excited. Now, I'm not really into comics that much, but I, I get it and you're fine to do so. Think of it this way. This is their entire Marvel comic universe. This is Moses and Elijah. This is every hero they've ever had is right in front of them. And they're just, their minds are not firing very great, but they're firing. They're so excited. And you might wonder, well, why did Peter want to put up tents? The older versions of the Bible say altars. It's pretty much the same thing. They had a festival where they worshipped by putting up tents. It's, we're really not going to get into the story. He was just saying, we want to worship Jesus Moses and Elijah. And you might be thinking by that that he was somehow bringing down Jesus. But in Peter's mind, he was raising Jesus up. Nobody was higher than Moses and Elijah. Then the cloud comes hard upon them. The voice comes and it says, you listen to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. A word that I had to use a lot 
raising my children was focus. Focus. If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't waste my efforts. But God gives the job of raising children to those who don't know how. That's, and, the, and that's why we have grandparents to show them where they've gone wrong. Focus, just focus for half a second. That's all, focus. God is raising us, and one of the things we have got to get in our head, and which is the message of the book of Hebrews, is focus. Focus on Jesus. Well, you know, I really can't talk about this without going to another book, and that's in Ezekiel. Now, it's not going to come up on the screens. I ask that it not come up on the screens because it's an odd passage. We looked at it when we looked at the book of Ezekiel, but we need to look at it again. What does it mean when the scripture says his face was changed and a cloud came? Every Jew would know what that meant, and we don't because we don't know our Old Testament very well. In the Bible, when God is showing up in a mighty way, it is often preceded by thunder, lightning, cloud, a living cloud, a boiling cloud, a changing cloud full of faces and imagery that shock the people that see it into silence or knock them down into worship. Ezekiel, standing by a drainage ditch in a refugee camp, all of his dreams are dead. He wanted to be a priest, but he was taken captive before that, was train, before that training was finished. He wanted to live on his land and speak to his people, but he's away from his land, and his people are now split, some, being, uh, some running to Egypt, some staying uh, in their homeland, some being refugees like himself. He'd been there for years, then all of a sudden, I looked and saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with, with flashing lightning surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the, the fire looked like glowing metal. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. I would then question his concept of human. Um, their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze under their wings. On their four sides, they had human heads. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of the other, and it goes on like this. What's happened? Well, we don't have appropriate language for this, so please forgive me to using uh, inadequate language. It's the advanced guard of God. It's the bodyguard of God. God doesn't need a bodyguard. That's why I'm saying this is inadequate. But it's the advance guard. It's the cherubs and the seraphs have arrived. And they're not the cute wee things on the cards that we give on Valentine's. These are massive and mighty. And every time anybody sees them, they dissolve into terror. And that's why Ezekiel is saying, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. It's kind of human, but they've got wings. And they've also got heads under the wings. And they've got legs like calves and there's there's lions and there's swords and there's flashes of lightning that's what hit the mountain when Jesus is transfigured and people want to worship Moses and Elijah God shows God just interrupts them they think they're doing a good thing but God is God has got to interrupt this saying stop it focus on Jesus we have trouble focusing on Jesus we tend to focus on the things around Jesus instead. Or we focus on those who point to Jesus. Our preachers or 
our, our, our teachers or the like. We focus on them rather than focusing on Jesus. Now, Moses and Elijah here are stand-ins for the law and the prophets. They brought us to Jesus. Respect them. Read them. Treasure them. But focus on Jesus. In our tribe, many in our religious tribe, those of you that are visitors, I use that term a lot. In our religious tribe, many rush to find legal requirements. We should do things this way. And we should do things this way. And we've got to handle it in just the right way or it doesn't count. And they do this because they want to please God. And they do this in all honesty, in all sincerity. They tend, if we watch carefully, to focus on Paul and only use Jesus to back up something that they think Paul was trying to get to. Don't do that. Focus on Jesus. Read Paul, but read him through Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Focus on Jesus. Others fight over every line in the Bible. One of the first people I met when I moved to Franklin, Tennessee, a couple of years ago, was um, a member, not of our congregation, but another. And I said, now that you're retired, because we've been talking for a while, I said, now that you're retired, what do you do? And he said, my hobby is arguing over the internet. And he was serious. <laughs> he felt God had called him to sit in front of the computer and argue religious principles. I don't think that was God. I, you know, what does his voice sound like? You know, I, like, can we talk about this? I, I want you to be careful that you hear me correctly. You can study the Bible so hard that you lose sight of Jesus because you are straining for gnats while you swallow a camel, is what Jesus said. You are going for so many laws, you forget the law. Love God, love everybody else. It's possible to study your scripture so much you don't see Jesus. You've heard me say it before, but you're not done. I'll say it again. Don't be God's dog. I love dogs. I think dogs are brilliant. I'm a big pro-dog person. However, there are no dogs smart enough to, to know that you're trying to point something out to them. You point. Look, there's a stake. And they will look at your finger. And you can, because we're human, we have the concept of now I'm flinging my finger toward an object. And we do this, and they're just... <laughs> they're trying to be good dogs. Read your Bible. Know your Bible. Absorb your Bible. Have it absorbed within you. But understand it is pointing you to Jesus. Don't confuse the finger with what it's pointing you toward. Jesus is where we focus. Around the end of the first century, the church was really struggling. They were going through some hard times. They had thought that Jesus was coming right back, that he'd be here any minute now. And every generation since, by the way, has said the same thing. He's coming right back. And he might be. I know that he will come, and I'm looking forward to it. I have no idea if I'll be alive or if it's 10,000 years from now. It's not up to me. But in the first century, they thought, has God dropped the ball? Did we, did we back the wrong horse? And how did, something's wrong. The kingdom isn't here. And some were straying. 
They had lost hope. They had lost focus. So, enter the book of Hebrews. Very singular book. It's the only book in the New Testament consisting of one single sermon. And that's the way it should be read. Most of the time when you read passages in Scripture, you should read for a while and step back from it. But Hebrews, you need to read all the way through and see the theme and the flow of the sermon. Then you can go back after you've done that three or four times and absorb the different sections. It's also the only book in the New Testament which is, by design, anonymous. We don't know who wrote it. It wasn't Paul. Clement of Rome started that early idea that it was Paul that wrote the book. No, uh, we know that because of word usage, and we know it because of language choice, but we also know it because the writer of Hebrews says they were taught the gospel by righteous men who knew Jesus. Paul was very, very insistent he had not learned the gospel from any man, but from Christ himself. So this was not Paul. The, the three top runners, I'd say Apollos is probably the top runner, but also Barnabas uh, and then Priscilla. And some say it's anonymous because a woman didn't want to put her name on it, but Priscilla certainly was a great Bible teacher. Whoever wrote the book, remember the point of the book. Jesus is superior to everything else and everyone else that ever was and that ever will be. The new has come. So focus on Jesus and keep focusing on Jesus all the time in every situation and then everything else comes together. Lose that focus. It all comes apart. When I was taking flying lessons years ago, my my instructor decided we had to burn off some hours in the air uh, because after you've taught certain amount of things, you still have to have a certain amount of hours. So we're up there and he was saying, you ever wanted to do aerobatics? And I went, no. <laughs> and he said, well, this plane, you can do some in this plane. And I said, that's, that's interesting. And he said, let me show you some. No. <laughs> and he did. And I showed him some stuff. When you do aerobatic, and you, know, you do aerobatics or you're spinning in any way, I asked Cammy, who's been a figure skater uh, all of her life, I said, when they're spinning around like this, how do they know when to stop? How do, how do, and I, same thing that my flight instructor told me. He says, you pick a point, and that's all you see. While you're whirling around, you're seeing one face in the audience. You're seeing one, don't pick a cloud, they move. You're, you're picking a fixed reference point. And that's all you see. That way you know where you are. And you don't get dizzy because you're not doing this. You're just looking there and spinning around and looking there and spinning around and looking there. When life spins you around, remember where to look. And if you're getting dizzy, it's because you're not focusing. Focus on Jesus. It's time to look at Hebrews because we've only been in the sermon for about 20 minutes. Hebrews. I just thought of a story. No, I didn't. I'm just kidding. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made 
the universe. Now think for a while. This would be a great way to, to do devotions with your kids or just to have a discussion in the car. How many different ways has God tried to talk to us in history? Well, Romans 1, nature. So we can talk a lot about that. Uh, we can talk about prophets, priests, kings, judges, faithful women, um, faithful men. We can talk about uh, the flow of history. We can talk about weird prophets like Ezekiel, who were like Picasso prophets. Really hard to understand, but maybe a few artsy people did. We, we can talk about the back end of Balaam's ride. Yeah, the, the, whole, the whole concept of here we go, he's hopping on a ride, and all of a sudden the, the donkey, I hate saying that word, sent Shrek, um, <laughs> is talking. That's an interesting way to talk to God or for God to talk to us. All kinds of interesting ways. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says, look at all of these ways. And now God talks to us through Jesus. That's how you know. When we lived in Colorado, it, we had a real competition every Sunday for worship. The mountains. They're all around you. And people would say, I feel closer to God when I'm alone on top of a 14er. That's a, a mountain that's over 14,000 feet. Than I do when I'm in church. And I'd say two things. One, it might be epoxia. You might be running out of oxygen. Um, besides that, two, God says he was with the people who are worshiping. Focus on Jesus. Not even on your feelings. Focus on Jesus. It is so hard to do. But this is why Jesus could say in John 14 and say so truthfully, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And he would also tell him, I am the, uh, I'm the gate, I'm the door, I'm the entryway. You try to come in any other way, you're a thief and a robber. You've got to come in through me. By the way, he wasn't being egotistical. He wasn't being demanding. He's just telling you the truth. And here's where we learn something wonderful. Transformational. Verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Did you catch it? Did you get it? Jesus is what God looks like, acts like, thinks like, speaks like. When I was a boy, I was taught a God that was angry, a God that would kill us like this, except Jesus forgave us. It's almost as if God's up there just, I'm going to get him. And Jesus is up there going, oh, come on. dad, dad, settle down. I kind of like him. Did you get that concept? That's what I was taught. And it's blasphemy. The people who taught me that did not mean to blaspheme. They thought they were, they were just teaching what they had been handed on. But the scripture tells us, you want to know what God thinks of sinners? Look at Jesus. You want to know what... God thinks about people that have had a hard day. Look at Jesus. 
You want to know how Jesus, uh, how, what God thinks of people with, of different races, of different economic groups, of different age groups. Look at Jesus. That's what God looks like. Wow. What a relief. I was even told that the day of judgment would be like a trial where God's the judge. Satan is a prosecuting attorney and Jesus is the defense attorney. Were you told that one too? I've seen books on that. It's rubbish. Because God would be in the defense attorney role as well. He is what Jesus looks like. Jesus is what God looks like. Wow. We also, there's another issue here we need to deal with. We tend to think in rank and position. Have you ever been driving along thinking, I wish there were more political polls? I've not heard numbers for minutes now. Maybe somebody who's been wrong for the last year and a half will be right today. We argue about rank and position and rank and position. There's no rank and position among the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I was taught, I don't think intentionally. I think it just came across this way. Father, up here, Son, second in command, Holy Spirit. We weren't really sure what to do with him, so we just put him here. That's not the way this looks. Look at, look at verses 4 through 9. Speaking of Jesus. Oh, I forgot that I had him up there too. I'm just so excited. Focusing on Jesus, not on the slide. So he became, talking about Jesus, he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. These are quotations out of the Old Testament. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his, spirit, his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, Watch yourself. Watch this. But about the son, he says, your throne, oh, God calls Jesus God. You ever caught that before? God looks at Jesus, and because we always see in the Bible, God sitting on the throne, and here God is looking at Jesus saying, your throne, oh God, will last forever and ever, and a scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. God doesn't stop being God. But he's saying Jesus is his God. Wow. By the way, what's all the talk about the angels? Well, the Essenes, the Qumran community that produced some, at least, of the Dead Sea Scrolls. You've heard of them? The Essenes taught stories of powerful angels and creating spirits and deceiving spirits. And they had all these huge hundreds of ranks of angels. And so when you talked about angels, you had to figure out how powerful every particular angel was and in what order they belonged to, and it was all very confusing. And the writer here just tosses all that to the side and says, focus on Jesus. I was in a bookstore. We used to have those. I was in a bookstore and walked by the religious section. 
just kind of looked. And there was a book, How to Find and Talk to Your Guardian Angel. Really? I got news for you. <laughs> the guardian angel doesn't want you to find him or talk to him. Has no interest in you ever communicating with him. And if ever you did, it might resign. Because if you're not focusing on Jesus, you're not safe to be around. Focus on Jesus. Once again, we are warned, focus or drift. In Hebrews chapter 2. And we're, by the way, we're going to look at Hebrews again next week, Lord willing. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. We must pay the most careful attention. Therefore, to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. You've got to pay this close attention. It's, it's rather like texting while driving or using your phone while driving or doing... A, you've got to be very, very, very careful here. Other forms of distracted driving. Saw a person texting while driving cut in front of me and I was so upset I nearly dropped my big gulp in my hamburger. The point... <laughs> the point is... Sorry, I just now looked down and saw my insurance agent. I'm kidding. It was just a joke. I wrote that earlier this week. Um, anyway... There go my rates. Um, we got to convert a few more agents. Um, the point being, sorry, I tickled myself there. Uh, it is so easy to lose focus. When we lived in West Virginia, we got a call. Uh, I was asked to, to get to the hospital quickly. Uh, and what had happened was people, I think they were members of the church in Maryland, were driving through. It was a doctor and his family. And he was just changing, this is before cell phones, just changing the radio station and talking with his family and allowed his wheels to drift just a little too far, caught some gravel, spun him out of control, and he hit another car and killed two people in that car. He and his family were okay, but killed an elderly couple and injured a family. It didn't take, but he, he, talking to him, sitting and talking to him, he just said, it was a second. It was just a second. Focus. Pay the most careful attention to Jesus. It's going to be hard. Some people are going to come in front of you and try to make money the thing, politics the thing, race the thing, society the thing, your health the thing, retirement the thing, whatever. Stop it. When we see people, we don't see any of that. We see Jesus. When we see people... We see them through the eyes of Jesus. We focus on Jesus, and we think, what does Jesus want in this, this situation, in this moment? Focus on Jesus. By the way, later in the book, the writer will call us to continue to assemble, continue to worship, continue to serve, continue in the group so that you don't lose your focus. You take the hottest coal on the planet, spewed out of a volcano. When it lands, it is so hot, it is almost clear. As it cools, it goes to red. 
But if you keep it away from the other coals, it'll go dark and cold. No matter how hot you are for Jesus, if you leave the community of Christ, you're going to go dark and cold. We need the people around us to say, focus. Focus. Keith, if you'd like to bring your team back up, please. In Rochester, Michigan, I got to have dinner with uh, a lot of my elders from that time. Loved living there and working with those men, those wonderful men of God. But we had three services there, and they were all a little bit different. And most of the people, 70-some percent of the people that came to our church of 1,200 or so had never had a church before, so they didn't know the rules. So they talked back to me during the sermon, which I actually just loved. I really did. Don't get excited, Steve. I, I actually, I, I loved... But because we had to do so much off and, and, and dealing with that kind of a group, I often went off notes for some time. And they got to where they would just yell, get to the notes. Because <laughs> they knew I, I was off somewhere in the weeds. Every so often I need people around me to say focus on Jesus. I need my shepherds. I need the members. I need my wife. I need my dear friends to say, Patrick, Focus. The scripture says this, and as we read in Hebrews 2, I'm going to ask you to stand. We focus on Jesus, which is only fair because he is focusing on us. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to, become, had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We focus on him because he focuses on us. Amen, church?